With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So does Holmes have more problems with technology than Schneider or what? I have no idea. So yeah, I guess we'll wait for him. It'll not just be the two of us, so you know, another boring pod. But that's okay. Oh yeah. Easy for me to edit. Casey did not like my comment in the uh in the group me here. Ledman <laughs> said that without him, this would be the worst podcast. But I I would like to point out that our highest recorded podcast was just me and Travis. Uh, how many more games are you coming down for? I know we got six left. I think the Michigan State game is the only one I'm coming down for. Because I oh, plan okay. selling the IU ticket. And then my girlfriend was like, oh, you should come down for the Rutgers game on Valentine's Day. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> Holmes, can you hear us? We see you're back online. I'm going to take that as a negative. <laughs> Jeez, at this rate, we might get Casey on. Oh, God, no. Please, we have to get going. <laughs> now. Now. Get to the chopper! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Hammer and Rails podcast. Yes, we are actually doing one of these podcast things. It's been months and months and months since we have done one now. Uh, Juan, when was the last one? Was uh, was it still during football season officially or no? I think it was just before the IU game. I honestly can't remember. Uh, it's been <laughs> a little bit of a busy time for me on my end, at least, because uh, I'm the editor here. So, Well, you're also flying all over the world and uh, supervising weather satellites and telling NASA to, hey, get my satellite into space and all that. So Yeah, I definitely did not tell NASA anything, just for the record. <laughs> for the record. In case the uh, new NSA is listening, uh, yeah, Juan, Juan's the ringleader here. He's the one uh, doing the spy satellites in the air and everything else. So in, ca- in case you didn't notice, uh, we are joined tonight by Juan Crespo from... <laughs> the campus in Ann Arbor, the University of Michigan, who continues to lose to Ohio State and has fewer wins over Ohio State hey, than hey, Purdue hey, has. Hey, hey, talk about this, because I just saw Michigan, it was women's basketball defeat Indiana, so we're going to end it there. Yeah, that's good. Um, no. uh, also joining us from the northeast side of Indianapolis is Andrew Holmes, who pulls double duty with us in BT Powerhouse. Andrew, how are you doing this morning? Pretty good. I'm sure if you'd ask uh, Tom at BT Powerhouse, he'd be questioning how much double duty I'm doing on either end right now. Well, yeah, you said you were watching the Maryland-Indiana game right now, so uh, that's that's just doing research, isn't it? Yeah. For the record, Indiana's wearing their Pearl Harbor alternate jerseys for no apparent reason. Well, whenever you think Pearl Harbor, you think College Park, Maryland. So, everybody's- so I guess it's fitting, you know. I use just a sinking ship, right? Oh, well played. Anyway, uh, it has been a while since we've done a podcast, and uh, just a little bit of news in Purdue land that since then, we have a new football coach, don't we, gentlemen? Yes, 
<laughs> well, don't get all excited at once. Uh, I guess we should go say, uh, what's kind of your initial reaction here out of uh, Jeff Brown getting hired? I mean, he was kind of one of the guys that we mentioned early on in our coverage of this coaching search and everything else uh, was not PJ Fleck or Les Miles, who seemed to be the ones that most people wanted from the beginning. But I know out there has been the consensus. It's a pretty good hire from inside and outside Purdue. Just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were. For me personally, I'm holding most of my thoughts and reservations until the football season starts because I made that mistake. Hazel. I think he'll bring be good for the Purdue offense. Question is, how is the defense going to change under him? That was a weakness under Hazel. And again, unfortunately, that seems to might, might be a slight weakness for Brom as well. So who knows? We could just end up becoming the Texas Tech of the Big Ten where we're going to score 70 points and we win or we lose. Who knows? Well, at least it'll be entertaining as opposed to watching them flail around and we lose by 40 because they can't get a bloody first down. I mean, yep. that's assuming we don't lose 130 to 70. That might be a record, however. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> so so what do you think, Holmes? Uh, good hire, bad hire, just uh, holding off until later because I know when Hazel got hired, there were a lot of positives and you go back and look at some of our articles that we wrote at the time and it's just the, oh, geez, what were we thinking? Well, this might be a bit of a revisionist history after we got Brom, but I, I do like him better now than Fleck or Miles for us, at least. It seemed like to me that Fleck was a motivational guy and I don't know that we need a whole lot more motivation. We need a whole lot more talent and creativity to survive in the Big Ten. I don't think we're going to get very far with just a rah-rah type of guy. See how well that worked with uh, Pagano at times in Indianapolis. Yeah, but Pagano's still hired. I mean, he still has a job as of right now. Yes. Tenuous at best. <laughs> but I, I think you guys make a very good point in that as Purdue fans, we can get excited. We see the numbers on the offense that he's done. We see he's won a couple of conference championships in a row, but there's a lot more guarded optimism here. However, I'm kind of of the, it really can't get worse, can it? No, and I'd be okay with going back to the Tiller era of good offense and sketchy defense with some guys that can get to the quarterback. That works works for me. Uh, uh, yeah, it's like you get back to winning eight, nine games a year like Tiller did in those first few seasons. They can, they'll can have a parade for Brom right now because uh, when I was doing some research earlier today, I found out in September it will have been 10 years since the last time we were ranked. And the program's longest stretch since the AP poll started is 13 years. It's hard to believe it's been that long. I mean, what else can we say at this point, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, it I really... Mean, even even in 2010, that little blip there was more of, you know, Purdue still trying to recover from the 04 collapse. Like and, 2005, and they didn't make a bowl game. 2006, they sort of stumbled their way into a bowl, it seems. And then yeah. 07, they just had the, a nice easy stretch against a, an eventual three-win Notre Dame team. And then you have that 2009 season where they were 5-7 and seven, but lost so many games, but just from stupid turnovers, penalties, dumb timeouts, and we kind of wrote it off as, oh, well, Hope has this thing going in the right direction and everything else, but we were already seeing the early signs of what was going to go wrong. His teams were not going to be disciplined. They were going to turn the ball over. They were going to have a ton of penalties. Mm-hmm. The year before, Purdue went 4-8 and eight in Tiller's last year and didn't mm-hmm. look good. Like So out 5-7, and seven, even those seven close, or six of them, five or six of them were close losses, looked much better. And, and really, the 4-8 and eight kind of had a cap 
caveat because if you'll remember, Joey Elliott got hurt. Curtis Painter got hurt. We were down to Justin Siller at quarterback, a redshirt freshman. And uh, yeah, he had the great, he had that wild win over Michigan and everything, but he was still a redshirt freshman that didn't have a ton of experience. And that in itself contributed to the four and eight more than eight. Right. I mean, heck, I could have scored a touchdown against that Michigan defense in 2008. <laughs> yeah, this is true. What only matters about 2008 is that in Joe Tiller's last game, IU got a whooping at 62 to 10. And I think it could have been worse if I remember correctly. I think I think we scored on every possession except the last one and only because we didn't feel like it at the end. But enough about basketball, I, or enough about football, I should say. And uh, let's get into what everybody has come here to hear about and let's get into some basketball as Purdue is as factual statement right now we are atop the Big Ten standings as expected preseason perhaps not but it kind of helps that you know your two top teams of MSU and IU are sort of tanked a little bit here and I don't think I don't think Michigan State is so much tanked at least when it comes to the Big Ten because they're still tied for first place too true but they also kind of got whooped on by Penn State there well speak for yourself when I had Purdue pick the uh win the big 10 preseason i believe so they were talking my I mean, maybe maybe it's just me like i just can't i feel like if i say purdue put purdue at the number one spot in the power rankings that it's just going to curse them or something yeah i, th- I think we have a little bit of ptsd at this point for that because my ptsd is oh god i still i still have the little rock game in my head from last year and it's not going to go away until i see triple digits or triple zeros on the scoreboard in that first round big 10 game and we have more points than any opposition i think a lot of that's going to depend on the seed which is what i'd be most concerned about right now because even winning the big 10 i'm not sure we're going to be a whole lot higher than a four if we look really good winning the Big Ten. I think we could get a three seed. I think the Big Ten champion, when all is said and done, unless there's something like 13 and five, uh, is gonna is gonna have at least a three seed. You know, 14 and four, eh, maybe 13 and five, yeah, that's gonna drag them down a bit. But something like a 15 and three, you win the Big Ten, especially with our profile. Because at that point, we would only have five losses overall, six if we lose in the Big Ten tournament. And I don't think that there's going to be, I I think you're going to have a lot of teams, not just in the Big Ten, but nationally, are going to be bunched together. Because there there really isn't a dominant team this year. You saw Baylor go down tonight hard, and that leaves Gonzaga as your last undefeated team. Are we really going to trust Gonzaga, you know, out of the West Coast Conference to be like the end-all, be-all team in America? No, we're not. Yeah, I think they still have to play St. Mary twice too so yeah it's yeah St. Mary's is pretty good it'd be a pretty ugly ugly season by the time it's all said and done but there's seen there doesn't seem to be a perception already though that the Big Ten's down this year so to think that a three seed for the for a potential Big Ten champion and Big Ten tournament champion as a ceiling is kind of scary. And I think what hurts the Big Ten is you had so many of the top teams fall in those bigger games. You know, Purdue, yeah, we beat Notre Dame, but we came up short against Louisville and Villanova. You had Indiana won their two big games, but they also fell short against Louisville, and they're struggling so much now in the conference. You had Wisconsin supposedly had the best non-conference profile overall, but they lost their two biggest games against North Carolina and Creighton, and there just isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of chance out there to go out and build a profile unfortunately anymore unless it's within the Big Ten yeah I'd say uh I mean Wisconsin even lost those games badly I would almost hazard that our our non-conference was right up there with them as the best one I think the 
trying to think best win outside of Indiana and then on conference was probably our win over Notre Dame. Yeah, I would say our win over Notre Dame. Uh, I, I know Wisconsin got a pretty decent win over Marquette for what that one's worth, but I mean, it's not an end-all be-all win either. I'm not sure how good Marquette is yet either because they're just now getting into Big East too. So mm-hmm. they lost Michigan and Pittsburgh as well. And, and that's where I think that's kind of where Indiana's struggles are going to end up hurting the Big Ten because those two wins could have had them consistently as a top 10 team to where if you can beat them or sweep them, that helps a lot. But, you know, you lose to Fort Wayne. It's not a shame to lose to Butler in any way, shape or form. But Nebraska and everything else, they're going to be, you know, their profiles taking a hit. And I know that there were some saying they could they keep losing Big Ten games here. They might even fall out of the tournament because they didn't play anybody aside from Butler, Louisville, North Carolina and Kansas in their non-conference. Yeah, play, playing teams below the uh, 300 line on Kim Palm for every other game we're talking about the best decision. Uh, it says, according to the RPI, which, you know, it's the RPI, their best win aside from those two, uh, aside from North Carolina and Kansas, which are admittedly fantastic wins. I'll give them all the credit in the world for winning those games, Are over, is over Houston Baptist. Yeah. The thing about those two wins are they were kind of interesting situations, though, too. I mean, the trip to Pearl Harbor is always a weird game there's always a strange mm-hmm. it's always a strange result in those first couple games at destination locations and then you know North Carolina just wasn't I don't think they were ready to come into assembly hall that was bumping and that's that's a big issue right now for IU I think is that assembly hall doesn't get up for every single game even in the big 10 they mm-hmm. get pretty loud for the big games but it's kind of questionable on some of the like Nebraska I don't think that crowd was very into it from the start and I know they didn't have the students on campus but that's that's still a game you've got to win it's Nebraska yeah. I mean, you you beat in Kansas you beat North Carolina you got to beat Nebraska at home I haven't really been watching a ton of this Maryland IU game but Maryland's up and it's kind of looking like neither team's been super good so far and that's kind of been the hallmark of just about every Big Ten game I've seen this mm-hmm. year neither team's really that impressive I, I don't even think Wisconsin was too impressive on Sunday did you Juan no it, it definitely I mean I thought their defense was looking great especially mm-hmm. the perimeter D like Purdue could not get an open shot it, it seemed like a old school Bo Ryan team like it was obvious they were defensive minded hold on to the ball as long as they could and and then hit and then take their shots under 10 seconds left in the shot clock and nothing just seemed to fall for them at all perhaps because yeah, i think they wisconsin hit- on a bad day maybe the cheese curds weren't sitting well in their stomachs who knows maybe they were just <laughs> focused on the packers game going on at the same time i don't know i think we're we're built to beat wisconsin though the way our team defense this is true is um and i think with haas just you know destroying the same finally realizing hey i should play angry and play like i'm a seven foot tall player seven foot too, excuse me. That definitely helped. Uh, interesting. I have a theory here. Do you think Haas seeing Hap get the better of Biggie at times motivated him to come out and then go straight at Hap like he did did most of the time he was in? I want to say that the coach, I wouldn't say it was that, but it's more of maybe the coaches just told him. It was just because I think Haas started to become reserved because teams were starting to triple team him. It was frustrating him. Russ would call fouls on him quickly, and that kind of made him a bit more reserved on defense. And so maybe that was getting to him mentally. And the coaches said, look, you just need to overcome 
overcome this and just play hard when you're out there. And some days you're just going to be off. Some days you're going to be good. And I think perhaps that was a day where he just finally clicked and said, okay, I'm going to play angry and get some points here. I think we saw the very beginning of that uh, in the Ohio State game where I think Haas played much better on defense than he had been and seemed to be better at moving his feet and getting to rebounds, position, putting himself in good positions, even though he wasn't scoring against Ohio State and Thompson because they were getting away with literally everything inside. I oh, think yeah. Started to see that Haas's mental part had come back and he just needed that that breakout against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin was not going to double him quite the same way that smaller teams will because they, they believed in Hat, which they should, except against a seven foot two giant of a man. And that's the thing. I don't think teams can guard Haas. I don't think there is a player in the country that can guard Haas one on one. It's when teams are successfully able to double and they can swipe at the ball when he brings it down and kind of fluster him into some turnovers, that's where he gets into trouble. If teams are foolish enough to guard him one-on-one, he's going to destroy him. Juan, you've seen Michigan a little bit here. I'm just going to change gears a little bit here because that's a game a little bit down the road. What do you think of uh, Michigan? Because that's probably the team I know the least about this year in the Big Ten. Uh, What are we kind of looking at there with them? The thing I will say this about Michigan, and it was sort of true for them last year as well, is that they will play to the level of their opponent. If they're playing a top 10 team, they will play like a top 50 team or 10 team if they're playing Penn State at home they will gladly give them a 14 point lead and eventually you know come back and win but um, I think Haas might have some trouble in that game well especially on defense because their center Wagner it's kind of similar to BFL like he uh, at IU last year he had the ability to be able to get out to the arc and hit good three-pointers and so he's so he's going to be pulling Haas away from the paint there and that might be one where we're going to have to focus on maybe having Biggie at the five because he it's a bit more dynamic. He can at least guard the arc better, I feel. Um, but I mean, that's okay. We're going to have those kind of games. And I think Painter has admitted that, you know, this the lineups this year, they're just going to have to be flexible. It's just going to have to what's worked best in each situation. In the Wisconsin game, it worked well having Klein in there for a majority of the second half because he was on fire offensively and had a great defensive game. But in other times, it might be better to, you know, switch that around, maybe keep Dakota and in there, maybe keep Spike in there as well, who we kind of forgotten about over these last couple days but i mean it's just going to vary from game to game i think um it's going to be the big thing and i think that's where our lineups have evolved right now is we've kind of got this default seven-man rotation with spike and basil playing four or five minutes each night as a okay we're going to get some guys some rest right now but we're not expecting a whole lot of basil and spike and unfortunately that's been in the last two games that's been when the opponents and team has made their best run is when those two have been in there and i hate to think of them as disposable at the moment, especially since Spike only gives us the one year, but he's just not giving us a lot at the moment. I think with Spike, he's still recovering a bit with the back injury, and I thought he'd play decently well. The issue with in the Wisconsin game, at least offensively, again, was Wisconsin's perimeter defense, and so he's not the quickest person out there. We needed Carson and Klein, who could easily bolt away from the defense and get those open looks. I recall Spike even having a great steal, but that was waved off because I think either they BS foul on Haas or I think when I was watching the replay, the refs thought like Spike hit it with his foot, even though it was clearly his hand. So yeah, and then with Basil, I yeah he was he was obviously in there as a way to give Vincent a break because uh, he was trying to guard Nigel Hayes, and that unfortunately did not work out too well. Do you guys think Basil stays this year after this year, or does he uh, go the fifth year grad transfer route that so many have gone when they've registered at Purdue? I I think it's a tough call because 
he's bound to pick up some of Biggie's if we don't get, say, a Jacob Epperson or, you know, somebody somebody else like that that comes in and takes some of those. He's bound to pick up minutes, but I love Basil. But he's he's just not in a – he hasn't gotten in a rhythm because he's not getting the playing time, and I don't see any reason for him to get the playing time because, again, he's not getting in a rhythm. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. You can't really bench him and expect him to get better for next year. But at the same time, he's not going to do better this year because you can't play him – you can't let him play it out in the Big Ten. I still – I think he's going to stick around for a year, but that's just me trying to be optimistic. Because it's a bit different than, I guess, the situation we had with Kendall Stevens, where he had to take himself out and then lost his rotation in the lineup uh, over the last few games there. Um, and I think, like Holmes said, with Biggie probably departing uh, after the season, maybe he'll have a bit more of a role as well um, next season. But we'll just have to wait and see. And it'll be interesting because I know that I think we've all accepted that Biggie's gone after this year. I mean, I would be shocked if he returned at this point point except for the fact that the draft boards stupidly still have him as a late second round pick and I just I don't understand that I know that coach Painter has wanted to offer another shooter and get another shooter in here at the Sasha is it Sasha Stefanovic up in northwest Indiana Sasha something something like that anyway Painter's been wanting to offer him but he does not have the room right now and you can't just offer it assuming Biggie's gone because you know maybe he will come maybe he won't get the draft grade that he wants and that'll piss him off and he'll want to come back I don't know he wants to offer him and then you have Basil is also kind of up in the air I think Basil will stay I think he's wanted to stay I think he's a true Purdue guy here but being a fifth year guy he does have that option assuming he graduates here if he can go somewhere else and get a little more playing time if he would like if he doesn't feel it's going to be there especially if Biggie returns so that could be a way a scholarship opens up and then a third way a scholarship could open up is uh, the unfortunate case of Jaquil Taylor. I mean, the poor guy can't stay healthy right now. I'm not saying he's going to go anywhere. I have no knowledge whatsoever on the situation, but it's certainly looking like he's not going to play at all this year. And, you know, I would think that that kind of puts his his, uh, contributions up in the air next year, don't you guys think? Yeah, I mean, basically it almost forgotten about him because as the season got on you don't you don't think about that too much and harms is now here and he's practicing so that's gonna hurt playing time possibilities for taylor even if he does get healthy i don't know whether he's really a risk to transfer anywhere because i don't know if anywhere will take him with the injury concerns but is he a risk <laughs> Plus to he would still lose higher? a year if, unless he went division two yeah i mean he, maybe he's a risk to even leave basketball which i would hate to see but yeah i yeah. just don't see where he fits in and it's unfortunate because I think he's a player that has had a lot of promise. I know he had that game against Rutgers last year, which, yeah, ha, 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 Rutgers and everything. However, you know, he still dropped a double-double and a half. If it was that easy, why weren't why isn't anybody else doing it? And I think he would have been a very interesting addition this year to contribute had he been healthy. And, I, you know, I would love to see him healthy because he's, like, he's a lot like Harms, I think, and he's the big man that has a bit of a jump shot. He can draw other bigs out, and he would be yet another different look that we could offer even with Biggie on the floor. I think Jaquiel stays just because I think we're also due for a home-and-home with Rutgers next season. So I think he stays just so he can get two more double-doubles against Rutgers. (laughs) Maybe that's when he makes his debut this season. He comes out and drops one on him uh, when we play him. I think, when do we play them? Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. That's right. You have the girlfriend wanted to take you to uh, Purdue Rutgers on Valentine's Day. I already have the tickets, so (laughs) I've just... (laughs) 
There's just too there's just too many cheap ones to sell on StubHub right now. <laughs> I guess people don't want to take their dates to Purdue basketball. It's a shame. <laughs> Probably final topic here for the evening, but uh, let's save the best for last. What do you guys think of Biggie this year? My goodness. Honestly, the the work ethic is insane, even by Purdue standards, which is to say we have some of the hardest working players, in my opinion, in Division One. guys like P.J. Thompson and Raphael Davis that totally changed their their games and their abilities just by working in the offseason and things like that. But Biggie's working out after Big Ten games, from what I've heard, and just working on every single thing you can think of all the time. And it's it's almost like knowing his background, I feel like he's almost scared to do anything but be successful as a basketball player. Like there's the drive that that kid has is absolutely all world, first team all world drive. I would hire him no matter if I had a company that did anything, I would hire him just because I think he would put himself in a position to be the best at whatever it was in like a year and a half. You know, that's no why time. I would love to see. That's why I'd love to see him come back for two more years just to see what he would do over the next two years out of idle curiosity. I know it's not going to happen, but just imagine if it if it would for a moment, you get him for four years and the holy hell he would unleash on the Big Ten in the next two years. Well, I mean, he's not going to develop the explosive athleticism and the length that I think the NBA wants. And I think that's why he's not climbing draft boards as much as we anticipate. But yeah, if he came back for two more years, he could be potentially one of the best college basketball players of all time. Now, if there was somebody out there that could actually convince him that that would be an admirable goal, that would be great because I think, you know, we could be talking about 30 and 30 games in two years or, you know, 40 and 40 and 20 and averaging just out insane, insane numbers for college basketball. Well, if he got better and stayed for longer. And that, that would just be absurd. It's like, like you said, he's had four 2020 games and we hadn't had a 2020 game in years before this. And he's got four of them this year. And I, I saw a stat. He has four. The other 350 teams in all of college basketball have four total. It's absurd. He's producing like Blake Griffin before Blake Griffin went to the NBA, except he's just not the NBA prospect that all these guys were. He, he does remind me a little bit of like a Tyler Han- Tyler Hansborough or one of those guys that just wasn't the great NBA player but just worked and 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 worked. He he reminds me of and this is a player I hated for a long time for many reasons. He reminds me of Zach Randolph and, and in a very good way because he's he's got a similar game and he's just going to you know he's not going to out athletic him but you're not going to outwork him and that's incredible to see. Yeah, right now he's a guy that can get a quiet double double I mean, I there was a games earlier this season where I checked stats at halftime and I went, wait, he has that already? I didn't even I didn't even realize. He just out there. I like that mentality of he's rebounding against all the other guys on the court. He just goes and goes and gets what's his, and then he worries about playing the actual game. But when the ball's loose, that's his ball. Exactly. Juan, Juan said it best. He had an average week this week and still won Big Ten Player of the Week. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, he didn't even have a bad week. He put eighteen and thirteen up against the third number 13 team of the country and then he had a game-winning free throw in a road game he had eight eight turnovers that's that's a bad week for him i mean for him he had a bad week and still won player player of the week yeah i I like how someone in the press conference on sunday said that that was almost the lance stevenson triple double so juan what do you think biggie uh i mean you already repeated my line he had an average week and still won player of the week for the conference that's ridiculous 
I think. Not even AJ had an average week and still got um, player of the week. So Right. And there's it's, nothing it's else just, to say. He he's a joy to watch. Although th- this will be fun to uh, kind of go out on Biggie here. Someone asked me if we thought he was better than Big Dog at this point. And I, I think you've got to pick the Big Dog hands down. No question right now. As much as I love watching Biggie, Big Dog was just a sheer force of nature and was the unquestioned best player in the country his his final year at Purdue. But, I mean, what's, what's it going to take for Biggie to get in the neighborhood of Robinson? Well, I mean, you're talking Robinson was probably the best college bas- basketball player of all time on many people's lists, at least at least top five on everyone, yeah. I would say. So, <laughs> I, I mean, maybe a triple-double average? I don't think he's ever going to score quite as much as Robinson did, but I, I would say improving those other parts of the game on, on defense, getting more blocks, um, more assists on offense, maybe. But And I mean, he's already he a great so passer much. and could get yeah. enough assists for a triple-double. I mean, yeah, you can only do so much. Um, I just don't... I think we have too balanced of a team for him to really take over enough that it would be a conversation. Robinson was explosive, too, and I, I don't think Big yeah. White has that natural explosion, even though, from what I've heard of his workout routine, he's working specific muscles to help improve lateral quickness and explosion muscles that guys, a lot of guys don't even think about working out. He's spending hours at a time on every day. So maybe we'll see see that improve before the end of the year. I just, and, and, and we have seen that improvement in his defense. I mean, his defense is so much better than last year. Yeah, he's made some, he's had some highlight reel blocks that I never would have thought he would have had last year. Yeah. I mean, he moves so much more fluidly than he did last year. But Robinson was a transcendent talent and I yeah I just don't know that anybody is going to touch him for for years I mean even across the country I don't know that we've had anybody that was better than him since him in college I think the closest approximation of Robinson is it would be like if LeBron had spent a year in college just because Robinson was that dominant uh, in that final season yeah and it's a it's unfortunate it never translated quite as well to the NBA although he was still a pretty dominant player in yeah the I mean he still had a lengthy NBA career you can't you can't ask for more than what he had so got a ring a cheap ring at the end but he got a ring yeah he was never he was never the best player on a great team unfortunately he was always the best player on an okay team when he in his prime and uh you, you mentioned triple double i did not realize this but we have only had one triple double in purdue history and it was joe barry carroll with points rebounds and blocks I think it was in 79. Does somebody get one this year? I mean, we we actually have a couple candidates this year, I think. Not only not only do we have Biggie, but I think Vince could have one with his passing because he's been up in the 7-8 assist range. And uh, ironically, Dakota Mathias, yeah. he has a shot at it. Yeah, I would give the best shot to Dakota almost just on – because there's, there's those games – that happen every year where guard picks up a ridiculous number of rebounds just because of playing a shooting team, things just bounce their way. And Dakota's really good at being in that right spot, right time. I'm not I'm not sure what his top rebound numbers are, but I think 10 assists is easily gettable for him, especially now that his minutes have gone up. Uh, he's, he had 10 assists uh, a couple days ago, I think. I think he had 10 against Ohio State, maybe. I think somebody did, yeah. So that was probably, probably was, was Dakota then. So yeah, the 10... 
10 points and assists should be easy for him on a good day. It would be just getting those lucky bounces on on a rebound. Um, and I think that would kind of be for, for both him and Vince. I think for Dakota, it would have to come against a team like IU or Michigan that's going to shoot the ball a lot, where there's going to be a lot of long rebounds that Dakota could snag. Or Edwards, I think it would have to be against a team where he's going to be able to throw it down to Biggie and Biggie's going to be able to get two points easy on slow rotation. So like, a, I mean, a Rutgers or somebody that's just not very good, I think would be the best yeah. best candidate. All righty. Well, I think we can start winding this down here. Uh, Juan, do you have any final thoughts? You've been kind of quiet the last few minutes. No, that's fine. I just really hope we can go 3-0 in this next stretch before the Michigan State game. Um, oh, you, you've got to. I mean, look at who we're playing. Yeah, true. But that's the thing that always concerns me. Purdue always drops that WTF loss sometime in January. Uh, so let's hope that doesn't happen this year, especially given that Purdue has lost two straight in Champaign Memorial, State Farm, All-State Union Hall, um, whatever they call it now these days. Yeah, but they're coming to our place. Yeah, but we're going to Illinois. Oh, no, we're go- oh, no we play at Iowa. No, it's Michigan who plays at Illinois. Yeah. Still. Yeah. But still, <laughs> playing at uh, Iowa, still not fun. Yeah, we just beat Iowa by 22, and it wasn't even that close. This is true. And they almost lost uh, to Rutgers at home. But still. Yeah. Even the baby boilers I, lost at Iowa. I, th- I think that if there's going to be a WTF loss on the road, it's going to be Penn State because I'm just I'm always afraid of falling asleep there because there's no crowd. I think I think even going to like an Iowa or an Indiana or an Illinois, they at least bring a crowd and you you have to stay awake because the crowd is making you stay awake. Penn State, nobody is there and I they always catch somebody napping. I think that's what happened too with Louisville and Ohio State. They just Purdue has yet to face a tough road opponent. Yeah. So far, like I, the Crossroads it, was the toughest road crowd so far. Yeah. Neutral site. Um, so yeah, maybe Iowa gives us a tougher crowd. Maybe there's only 10 of them and Purdue struggles like they did against Ohio State. Again, it's the sleeper crowds. I, I do have tickets now for the uh, game at Northwestern. So that's kind of a double whammy of me being there and the crowd not being very loud, most likely. So... Well, I think the crowd will be there because you have, I think that is going to be a sneaky, sneaky good game because you could have Purdue playing for a share of the Big Ten title or if not winning the title outright that day since it's the final game of the regular season. Yeah. And it could potentially be the largest home game in Northwestern basketball history if they need that win to get to the tournament. Yeah, agreed. I uh, wanted to go so bad. I hope I hope I don't bring my jinx with me. That's that's my major thing. If you cost us a Big Ten title, you're fired. So um. I'll be pretty upset about it. Spend the week in Chicago crying before I make it back home. Yeah, you, your penance would have to be you have to eat an entire Giordano's pizza by yourself. I might be able to do that. That doesn't sound so bad. Uh, anyway, we should probably start wrapping this up. Uh, so I don't have any poignant final thoughts here as we sign off. It's just it's a joy to be talking positively about a producer sport after what we have gone through with football and my guard is up my guard is always going to be up because i'm a purdue fan but i saw the cubs win the world series no you uh, did not you did not see the cubs win the world series <laughs> 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 I remember. Uh, you the Cubs winning the World Series. You waited all this time, and you slept through it, and I am keeping... I'm an old man, and there was a rain delay, and I had a flight at 6 o'clock the next morning. That's where you just stay up and do an all-nighter. If we, make, I, if we make it to the Final Four, I'm having Liz slip some Ambien into your drink. <laughs> <laughs>